Good morning, friends. Uh, today I'm going to continue my current series on 1 John. Uh, we'll start at chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, and I've titled this message, Fill Her Up. Or if you want a little longer title, Fill Her Up with God's Love. You know, the primary difference between Christianity and other religions can be described in one word, love. I mean, just think about it. What other world religion places the same emphasis on loving others as Christianity? I mean, even the founder of Christianity, and I mean Jesus, said in John 13, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Everything we do in the Christian life is to be motivated by love. Love for God, love for others, even love for ourselves. Jesus was once asked, Matthew 22, uh, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Christianity's uniqueness is seen especially in the teachings of Jesus toward loving our enemies. He said in his most famous sermon, that's the Sermon on the Mount, you can read that in Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Love. That's what makes Christianity unique, and it's the one thing that everyone knows we're supposed to do. I mean, take any non-Christian off the street, a person who's never been to church in his entire life, and the one thing he can tell you about Christianity probably is that Christians are supposed to love others. See, the world knows we're supposed to do it, and we know we're supposed to do it, but it's not always easy to do it, is it? I think this is the reason why we allow ourselves to become sidetracked with secondary uh, issues within the Christian subculture. We argue about modes of baptism or the authorship of Isaiah. We nitpick styles of worship or whether Jesus would drive an SUV or wear a Rolex. I mean, we do this because it's a lot easier to debate than it is to love. When I was first starting out in the ministry, I asked a pastor what the requirements are to be a successful pastor. He said, you have to be an entrepreneur, organized, efficient, able to manage time well, and see, able to see projects through the completion I don't know if he realized it, but he was basically describing himself. It was a few months later that I happened to ask another pastor the same question, and without hesitation, he said, well, you have to love your people. And I said, what about being organized and efficient? What about being a self-starter? And he said, you know, a person with good organizational skills will have a large congregation, and you should develop those skills as much as you can. But a pastor who loves people will make a difference in their lives for all eternity. Now, this doesn't just apply to pastors. It applies to all Christians everywhere. Do you want to make a difference in the world? Well, you do it by loving people. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, there's only one problem. I'm not a loving person. I don't even like most people. I mean, how can I love them? Well, that's what we'll talk about today, how to become a more loving person. Now, I want to remind you that love is primarily an action and not a feeling. It's something you do. Now, the emphasis in our society is on how love makes you feel. When you're in love, you feel good. And, and there's no question that there's some truth to that. It does feel good to be in a loving relationship with your friends or your family and on and on. But there's more to it than that. Our goal is not just to feel love. Our goal is to show love to the people in our lives, our friends, neighbors, family members, spouse, even our enemies. 
And today we'll look at how to become a more loving person. And there are three things I want to focus on. First of all, in order to love others, we need to know what love is. In other words, you've got to understand God's love. In 1 John 4, the apostle talks about what it means to love. And he makes it plain that the real proof of love is not in what we do for God or what we do for others. The real proof of love is in what God has already done for us. And these verses help us to understand what love really is. I mean, first we see that love will sacrifice to make things right. Verse 8, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, first and foremost, love involves sacrifice. This is the heart of the gospel. We were separated from God by our sins, and we were completely unable to save ourselves. So, God sent his son into the world to atone for sins, in other words, to die for our sins, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be right with God. That's how his love is for us. He was willing to make such a sacrifice to restore our relationship with him. See, this is what we need to do for others. If we want to love, we must be willing to sacrifice to make things right. I mean, sometimes husbands must sacrifice to make things right in their marriage. Sometimes fathers must sacrifice uh, to make things right with their family. And sometimes friends sacrifice in order to make things right in the friendship. And I want to emphasize that the uh, to make things right clause Well, love involves sacrifice, but it's not sacrifice merely for the sake of sacrifice. It's not sacrifice because they're everything and you're nothing, and what they want matters and what you want doesn't. It's not about playing the martyr. Love involves sacrifice, but it's sacrifice for the good of the relationship. It's a sacrifice to make things right. See, love involves sacrifice. If you want to be filled with God's love, be prepared to sacrifice for the benefit of others. The second thing I want you to know about love is this. Love empowers others to do what's right. Verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. I hope you caught that. That we might live through him. I mean, his love is demonstrated to us in the fact that he sent his Son so that we might have life. See, his love is for our benefit. It strengthens us. Now, to the extent that we're able, this is what our love should do for others. We should love people in a way that builds them up, in a way that empowers them, in a way that gives them life. Just like God's love for us gives us the strength to live, our love for others can, in a different way, of course, inspire and empower others to live holy lives. The third thing I want to tell you about love is that love replaces fear with security. Verses 17 to 18 in 1 John 4, In this way love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now John is saying that our relationship with God is a relationship of love, not of fear. Now, you're probably also familiar with the verse, Proverbs 1, 7, that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, in several other places, the Bible says that we are to fear God. Well, why then does God say that, why does John say that our relationship with him is not about fear? Well, quite simple. He's talking about two distinct types of fear. One type of fear is holy respect. This is the way in which we should fear God. The other type of fear, of course, is more like terror. Now, the holy respect kind of fear is based on an understanding of God's goodness. 
the terror type of fear is based on a misunderstanding of God's nature completely. So let's not make the mistake of thinking that God is a fly-off-the-handle kind of God. I mean, he's a loving God. He's merciful, tender, compassionate. Our relationship to him is not based on fear. It's based on love. And because of that, we have security in him. Our security is not based on our own goodness, but on his goodness. This is the kind of love we need to show to each other. The kind of love that says, my love isn't conditional. It's not temporary. It's not here today and God tomorrow. You can count on me. To be filled with God's love, we must know what God's love is, what it looks like. And the love of God that he's shown to us and the love that we are to show to the world is a love that's willing to sacrifice. A love that empowers people to do right and a love that offers the security of permanence. Well, let's move on to the second step in getting filled with God's love. And to love others, we must experience God's love firsthand. To give God's love, you must first receive it. I mean, listen to what John says here now in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And I hope you caught that phrase, has been. Everyone who loves has been born of God. It's a simple fact. If you've experienced God's love firsthand, you can share God's love with others. If you have never received God's love, you simply don't have it in you to love others. And listen again to what John wrote later in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. You see, friends, that's where our ability to love comes from, his love for us. And the only way we can live in his love is to experience his love firsthand. And the only way, there's only one way to experience his love, and that's through the free gift of his grace. God's love is something you will never, ever, 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 ever earn or deserve. It's available in one format as a free gift, never as a payback for your goodness, never as a reward for your hard work, but there, but only as a gift. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So I want you to understand, God loves you so much that he sacrificed his son to make things right, to offer you forgiveness of sins. God loves you so much that he sent his son into the world so that you might have the power to live through him. And God loves you so much that he has removed all fear of judgment and condemnation, and he has given you the kind of love that casts out all fear. As Paul said in Romans 8, 1, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So to be filled with God's love, we need to understand it, we need to receive it, and third, we must show God's love to others. In verse 12 of our text, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. See, his love is made complete in us when we show his love to others. The more we show his love, the more we grow in his love. So how do we show it? Well, we show it how he showed it to us. We sacrifice to make things right with others. We do what we can to empower others to live right. We build relationships with others not based on fear, but based on security. I remember very early in my ministry, uh, father met and talked to me who told me his family, and not his wife, but his entire family, that the marriage was on the verge of divorce and he was considering leaving home. He gave them all a list of demands and told them basically that if they didn't shape up, he'd ship out. And it's bad enough to say such a thing to your wife, but can you imagine saying it to your children? Can you imagine the kind of insecurity they experienced? And yet he said to me, I love my children, but I have to teach them responsibility. 
Now, can you imagine where we'd be if this was how God showed God's, showed his love for us? God sacrificed his son so that we could be reconciled to him. In the same way, there will be times when you must sacrifice in order to be reconciled to others. When God saw that we were lost and alone and dying without him, <clears throat> he sent his son into the world so that we would have the power to live through him. In the same way, we need to love others in such a way that we empower them. We need to be their source of strength, their source of encouragement, their source of hope. And God loved us so much that he wiped away our sins, wiped away our fear of judgment, wiped away our fear of abandonment, and he made us a promise. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's Hebrews 13:5. He has taken away the insecurity of fear and has filled it with the security of his love. And that's the kind of love we need to show others, a love that says, my love for you isn't based on a whim. It's rock solid, and you can count on it forever. So, friends, do you want to be filled with God's love? Well, then you've got to know God's love. You've got to experience God's love, and you've got to show God's love. Verse 16 says, Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.